0: Hey everybody, this is Dean with the Two-Party Podcast. Uh, Just uh, September 9th, just kind of going through some things, some different topics we have on our board here. I want to go through something that's kind of personal to me is uh, a lot of our uh, audience and personal people that know me, they know uh, my past with addiction and recovery. Uh, I was was way off track many years ago uh, with drugs, alcohol, uh, you name it. Yeah, it it was there. Uh, I came from a very dysfunctional family, uh, very dysfunctional. And those of you that know me kind of have more of that history. And maybe in the future, we'll discuss a little more of that. But uh, I, I, I've never blamed that. You know, has that been the environmental <clears throat> situation of growing up was always a problem? However, I never really always or, or took to blaming the dysfunctional household I grew up in uh for my addiction uh did it create an environment or raise me it, with a, a type of subconscious mental uh, aspect that made me probably preemptive to use or preemptive to uh to have those premonitions of being an addict yes uh, was addictive behavior there as a child yes did i witness a lot of uh drug use and alcoholism as a child yes um, so I mean, obviously there's varying factors. and in, in every every different article you read or science study, you're gonna see different angles as to uh, how how someone becomes an addict, what what entails the the prerequisites of, of addiction. and um, some some people, you know they they had a great childhood and they they end up addicts. Some people uh, grew up in horrible households and never used in their entire lives, uh, got away from it, I guess, you could say so you know one of the one of the interesting studies i read a while back and um i'd have to look it up but there was a study where they they basically used the the laboratory mice or rats and they created an environment uh, i believe this was a study on cocaine um and they they created a a kind of a horrible environment where and they they kind of laced laced the food or water with with cocaine and and the the bad environment the rats always went to You know they go back and they get more and they go back and they get more and they go back and they get more and they were just completely addicted to the nonsense uh that that was available to them in the containers and then they they switched it up and they they changed it to a really nice environment where they had lots of things to do uh you know the rats it was just such a better environment for them exercise and just different things that they could play with and look at and do and they noticed that with the bottle you know the laced bottle of and i believe it was in the water that uh, eventually the mice just didn't even use it they didn't even care for it uh they, they they'd go get get a drink of water and it was just whatever um but but it wasn't that they were going back to the the the, the laced one the, the addict going for the addiction so it's interesting when you you look at that study alone about the just the the science but based on just the environment so so let's let's put that to, to to an analogy of, of basically low let's say low-income neighborhood or low-income housing or or for lack of a better term just just being a a, a single mother parent whatever in an environment or even a, a couple married couple in, a, in an environment that's just not conducive to raising you know a child you know it's not a safe environment there's drug deals and this and that going on um that environment can can produce addiction um it, it was seen in that study and uh obviously that that plays out in in human nature as well if, if you have everything you need in a beautiful great environment I mean if you provide somebody uh the the human details they need the things they need uh are provided for and they, they have plenty of activity and things to stimulate their mind and, and and physical body uh it's it's very unlikely um that that person <clears throat> I'm sure that, that they will but it's very unlikely that I, I could see that that person would would go down a, a road of addiction. Um, that's not to say they wouldn't, but that study alone always had me thinking. Now, I, I'm back when I was uh, going into recovery, I, I dealt with fully on the 12 steps uh, for a lifetime group in, in Daytona, Florida, was a, a group that I was the GSR of for about, uh, about a, uh, I guess, a year over there. <clears throat> I was a total member of the group for about three years. Uh, so, that being said, that, I learned a lot in that. In that uh, area when I was in recovery through NA uh, I attended NAAA. Um, at the time it was more for me. It was more the drug side of things that, that I was attending the NA More than I needed. I guess you could say the AA, but let's be real <clears throat> They're all based on a 12-step program. They're all based on excuse me <clears throat> They're all based on stepping outside of yourself <clears throat> is what what initially um I guess is what the breaking point for me was is is stepping outside of of my addictions, my selfishness, my fears, um, learning that there's that I'm not a person who's capable of having uh, going to a party and and drinking like other people or drugging like other people. Uh, I am not a person who's capable of mentally maintaining myself on a, on a uh, social level of using drugs and alcohol uh i'm the type of person that that there there's no limit there's no bar uh and if there is a bar i'm the one that's setting it uh that being said uh many many that have known me uh, very you know the circle gets smaller as you get older of of your good friends especially when most of your friends as mine uh still from where i grew up at at palm harbor florida and different areas of florida um, as well as throughout the united states other friends that i have uh their circles you know they're still using you know uh in florida especially the pill epidemic is is off the chain people just falling out and dying left and right fentanyl uh you name it it just escalates it goes from you know these people are pill popping to to now we're now we're all fentanyl and heroin junkies uh it, it just it's insane how many friends i've lost um but on that note i just i i i I reflect back now. I'm, I'm just going to put it out there and be very honest. I haven't been to a meeting and, and I don't even know how long, uh, I, I quit drinking, uh, smoking cigarettes, uh, in 2014. Uh, have not, I, I think I've had maybe eight beers in since 2014. And that's been on vacation with my wife. Uh, maybe, maybe a, an occasional martini or not a martini, but maybe a margarita with my wife, uh, I'm just not where I used to be. I I don't drink like that anymore where I had to get off work and have a 12 pack. Uh, That's just not my lifestyle. Um, I'm not. And and again, a lot of people kind of twist things as far as like people that don't drink or don't drink anymore uh, are knocking the ones that do. I I have no problem with someone going and grabbing a drink. And, and, you know, if you you can control it and control your life and and it doesn't affect you in a negative way, more power to you. Uh, It's just not something I circle my life around anymore. Um, do I like a good beer? Sure. Uh, do I just don't drink anymore like that. Uh, vacation? Sure. If I have no obligations, I'm not driving. I'm on vacation with my wife, uh, somebody I can enjoy having a drink with and spend a good time watching the sunset. I'm good with that. Um, as far as drugs go, I gave up drugs in 2013-ish. I want to say 2013. Um, it was just a pinnacle part of my life, uh, a point in my life where I was just just completely useless, honestly. Uh, if I'm gonna be real with myself and real with my audience here, uh, i I was useless, completely useless. I was broken. i was I was uh, j- just at a point in my life where <clears throat> I've never been a person to give up and think suicide was an option and it and even in that time it was not. Uh, I just I, but I was just so low and just didn't see, there was just no getting through the dark cloud. There was no seeing light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I had just received custody of my son, uh, was, had fought a battle to get my son, uh, was in a relationship that was, uh, just on its, it was just at its tail end falling apart, uh, amongst two different patterns of parenting. Uh, and we just, uh, we decided to go our separate ways. And in the midst of that, Uh, led me back to to addiction again Uh, started drinking heavily again started using what you know any opportunity I had to use started using Uh, just just a horrible horrible cycle uh, that that had gone on and you know my one of my doctors one of my counselors I went to they they diagnosed me with episodic drug use Um, and if you if you're familiar with any way shape or form uh, with psychology and counseling um you know that that's that's basically a you know t- the way i've always looked at it was it was an opportunist way of 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 getting high or or drinking and and for me what it was is anytime i was uh in a situation that was overwhelming uh so in other words if something got stressful in my life uh i would go on basically what you would consider a bender i would i would i'd start drinking heavy. Um, there was just many 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 um times that i remember just not understanding you know sitting sitting in a room and going why the hell did i do that or what what was i you know everything i've got everything by the balls here in life and what in the hell am i thinking to to go out and and spend my money or do this or you know damage a relationship with somebody hurt them in that way um but i i I didn't i didn't get it i I didn't understand that that there was a, a i guess medical definition for what was going on Um, and I, I also have, uh, I also have a a diagnosed as an explosive personality. Um, and so that, that created a lot of problems, uh, throughout my life with, with my drug use and with the people around me, with the relationships. Um, that I was in and I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of researching some stuff as we're sitting here, uh, having this discussion on the podcast. So I'm trying to, c- to catch some information, kind of give you guys a better idea of what's going on. So <clears throat> what I'm talking about, you know, I, I could sabotage the best relationship. I could be in a relationship and, and it was almost a cycle. You could almost see it. It was like every, every six to seven years, I would just reach a point where I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm done with it. And, and I just tossed it in the air. You know, there, there was no care or concern for the person uh, across the table. There was no concern for the person in the mirror. Uh, it, it became a, a real issue where I, I basically sabotaged anything I had worked for, I had sabotaged. So I'd build myself up, build a business up, build, build a relationship up, um, whatever it may be. I'd, I, I, and, and people that know me know I put 110% into everything I do. Uh, and, and that went back that went back to drugs and, and addiction as well so I would go 110% into my addiction um, and unfortunately that's that's not a good thing but I would always put you know I'd build a business I would give my all I put everything into it and then I'd reach a point where you know what screw all this I'm done with it and I would just throw the towel in, just done and and but what it would always entail doing was back then was reaching for drugs or re- reaching for a drink uh, reaching for something where I knew like okay <clears throat> I'm gonna ruin this I'm gonna I'm gonna totally sabotage this but upon doing so uh, I might as well just destroy my my <clears throat> my mental state and my my emotional state by just using and I would do so <clears throat> and at that time it wasn't a a conscious decision it was more of a that was just what I did that was just how I coped it was my coping mechanism and uh, that being said uh, there's just so many So many issues you hear about nowadays with addiction and, and so many lives that are torn apart families that are broken um, People you can't get mental health anymore. You can't get substance abuse help anymore And, and, and you can get you know the states or whatever is going to refer you to a 12-step program And I, and I am never going to knock a 12-step program. I know a lot of spiritual leaders uh, Christians and stuff that'll 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 kind of knock that program but because they really feel like 100 percent God's got this and and I'm all aboard uh, and, and I'm a Christian and I believe that God has carried me in ways that I could not have done myself, which goes back to your 12th step and believing in a higher power. Uh, but that being said, I, you know, there's certain things that God may do in my life, but there's certain things that God is is going to make sure I do. He's not going to walk me through something without me doing some work and that's where i feel the 12-step program works hand in hand with whether it be christianity or any other religion you may be you know affiliated with whatever your belief system um you know uh the 12-step program is good but it 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 worked for me to work through the steps i had a great counselor in daytona uh mr gray one of the best i've ever had and mr tom who, who mr tom worked on relational he worked on uh, on fixing and teaching us to cope better in relationships, and teach us how to to work better in a marriage or even in a friendship relationship. So his focus and his study was relational. That's all he taught was relational uh, uh, recovery. And Mister uh, Mister Greg, what he focused on, he was an actual heroin addict himself. Uh, he was a huge, well known person in Daytona, a club owner, uh, a musician. Uh, super super popular dude at one point and he went down the drain i mean his bottom his rock bottom was being found on a park bench overdosed on heroin uh before he he got to a point where he could turn his life around and, and really see the errors and what he was doing but that guy had so much knowledge and he did a uh he not just taught about the addiction and and but he was very real so he was a he was the type of person that would just smack you in the face with the reality of what you were doing what causing it why you were an addict and it was because of his experiences and his experience in his recovery that he was able to share uh, where he failed where he slipped where he relapsed um, where he found a needle back in his arm Um, just an amazing guy and he did a study. It was a 12 step study, but it was a big book. Uh, you know, you you hear people laugh about the big book and the big book thumping. Uh, that was what he did. He taught that. And now that guy could read that book to you backwards and forwards and still tell you he could fail. Uh, but some of the knowledge I gained from that guy was amazing. Uh, he just he 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 could look at somebody, look at an addict and know exactly where they were because he was there. He had been there. Uh, he could tell you when you were going to relapse. He could tell you when, when, what you were thinking. He could tell you when you were, you were not on pace with, with your recovery. Um, just very, very enlightening. But the, the main things I gathered out of that, when I came out of a, there, there was a program I was in doing that. When I came through all of that program and working on my recovery, and I, you know, uh, I stepped up and, and jumped right full force in the bandwagon, which, you know, like I said, 110% I always gave. And I did it for that, too, for my recovery. And I learned a lot. <clears throat> and I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about other people and that their their baggage is not mine to carry and, and, and mine is not theirs to carry. And it's okay to walk away from a situation that I don't maybe understand. Or maybe, you know, maybe I created a situation, but I need to step back and evaluate it. Um, it just it taught me a lot of coping mechanisms. So uh, one of the things I was I was going to talk about is is not just an, an addiction, which is something I'd, I'd like to discuss a little more in the future on some other episodes and like to have some guests on that could kind of help with that. Um, but but one of the things that's been on my mind a lot lately is <clears throat> is addiction and success. And. Um, for a lot of addicts, it, you know, it's hard for them to get to a, ba- a point where they, they're back to, to being able to, to maintain and cope until they really get through that point in, in their recovery and their addiction that they, they really have given it up. They they've quit. And it's, it's now a matter of, of getting themselves on track, whether it's starting a business or just working a job. Some people, it's just that hard to even function Monday through Friday. After addiction and through recovery, uh, they've got to start even as a part time and work their way up to getting a full time. And some people, you know, that, that just that's good enough for an, for some addicts. Uh, for some, you know, they, they need success. They need to be recognized. And sometimes that's a a I guess a trigger. That sometimes that's a red flag. Sometimes that can put you back in addiction because when you don't get recognized uh, for what you're trying to do, uh, it can trigger you. And so I've been a lot of what i've looked at is you know some of my successes and failures through my recovery uh some of my high points some of my low points uh one of the things i I was reading uh it's it's on a website for american addiction centers um alcoholrehab.com i'm just reading some of this is it just talks about uh success and recovery it talks about the importance of success and recovery the dangers of success and recovery success and romancing the drink and drug um dangers of the pink cloud and recovery. Uh, There's just a lot of cool little topics here. So I'm going to read through uh, just one of them real quick. And it's the importance of the success and recovery. We all, as all as human beings, you know, we want recognition and we want to, we want people to like us, you know, no matter what we feel about, you hear people say, I don't care what someone like, what what someone thinks of me. Don't be fooled at all. Uh, That's BS. We all care about what people think. You know, that's our defense coming up saying, well, we don't care what people think about us. Never did care about what someone says about me. You know, I'm that way. Uh, It doesn't hurt me. However, I can turn my emotions on and off. I've learned to do that over the years. Uh, It's kind of a it's kind of a good thing and kind of a bad thing. But um, it doesn't bother me what other people have to say. However, it does, because it's deep down. I, I don't want someone to not like me. And I don't want to have a conflict in a relationship, friendship, relationship, marriage, whatever it may be. I don't want that conflict. And so deep down, I do want people to like me and I do want to have success. So I'm going to read through a couple of these and just uh, hit the topic here. It's uh, if, If people become sober and it does not make much of a difference in their life, they are unlikely to put to put much effort into maintaining their recovery. The benefits of experiencing some success include the better the better the life in recovery, the less uh, reason the individual has to return to their addiction. So if you if you've got hit success and you're doing good, your business is good. Life is good. Your bills are paid. You got a car, you got a house, uh, you've got nice clothes. You, you're not really in a reason you don't have any reason to go use, you know, everything's good. Uh, most, most addicts suffer from low self-esteem and, the, and this negativity impacts their experience of the world. One of the best antidotes to low self-esteem is success. Um, and I agree with that and I disagree with that. Uh, it is it is a good antidote. It does make you feel good and it does help. However, it's a false narrative. It's just not a good foundation. So if you're basing your feel good on your uh, self-esteem, I, I, I would say you're gonna fail at some point. That's not gonna hold you up always. Uh, success encourages people to, to keep going. The desire to experience more success can encourage the individual to achieve things that they might once might have once believed were impossible. Uh, Success might not improve their life of the individual, but also their family. Uh, Those people in recovery who find success are a wonderful inspiration to those struggling to to be sober. Now, that's something I want to touch on in recovery, in addiction, in 12-step program, The reason you're going to these these boring meetings and these people, you know, if you went to the old ones, you know, you go to a smoke-filled room. It was just crazy. Everybody drinking coffee all caffeined up or not caffeined up, but... You'd go to these meetings and you listen to people talk at some of these meetings, or you just go around the room and other people would tell their story. And some of them are fresh addicts, some of them had been you know sober for years, but there's a reason for it. And the reason is there's hope. You're hearing the story of somebody who's made it. They made it out of where you're at. Um, it is inspiring. And one of the big things the big book talks about, one of the big things that I've always held on to, and a lot of people that know me know this is I, I speak about my past and my life without reserve. Uh, I don't filter anything I've been through. If you ask me, I'm going to tell you what I've done. Uh, I, I, I don't hold back. I'm not ashamed of my past. Uh, I've, I've gotten past that hump in life. So uh, to to give my testimony and my story to somebody, if I think it's going to support and help them, I'm going to do it. And and that's the same with with what they discuss in the big book, is, is sharing about your addiction and your story with other addicts. You may save a life, and, and it's so worth it. Uh, success is a reward for a, for a job well done. Those those who do not achieve success can feel frustrated and resentful, and that's very true. Uh, you get successful, you feel good, you get patted on the back. You don't really get patted on the back when you're just an addict out using. Uh, it's just not something that happens every day, unless you're just other addicts around you trying to use your drugs. Uh, the pain of addiction fades into memory after a few months or years. Uh, success can can act as a new motivation to keep people sober. Success in life is can be good. A good guide for progress it can indicate the individual that that they are on the right track Uh, I'm gonna agree with both those statements Uh, it is a good motivation you do feel good Uh, does it ever does the memories fade it does when you're busy Uh, it doesn't for me uh, speaking just on my own experience it does not fade over the years I know where I was I know I know where I came from and it helps remind me of why I'm not there it helps remind me of my goals and my dreams for the future of where I'm going uh, so it doesn't go away and it shouldn't it, you should always it, you shouldn't be rubbed in your face But you should always remind yourself you don't need someone else to do it But you should always remind yourself of where you've come from and and each level of success you reach you should you should you should celebrate You should be happy um, The dangers of success in recovery now the addict learns to associate substance abuse with reward. That's a big problem We just discussed uh, this means that they, they achieve their success in recovery uh, They may develop a craving for alcohol uh, for celebration now, that's a big issue. I I kind of dealt with that for a while uh, early on. Is you know I thought, man, I'm doing so good. I can drink, and, and you know if you did, it was a relapse. Or I can go use drugs. I you know I'm good. I can go get high right now. You know, and I, and then tomorrow I'll just head back over. No big deal. That's not. That's just such a false statement. And for anybody that knows a true addiction, uh, knows a real addict and how they're they're wired. Uh, one time falling off, the relapse is going to happen in recovery. But it doesn't have to, and when it does, it sets you back sometimes even further than where you were to begin with. And for people that are real bad pills and drugs, uh, heroin, even heavy alcohol, uh, when you're in a really bad state and you come into a, st- a, a recovery, and then you you relapse, sometimes it puts you so far back you may not make it back. You know, you may you may just be that person that just keeps going. So it's just it's important to not celebrate things or or believe talk yourself into believing that it's okay to celebrate um, it is common for people to celebrate success with alcohol uh, it's just kind of in our social it's in our society it's what we you know everything through college everywhere you go you're celebrating with alcohol or um, whatever uh, the individual may feel uh, they, they deserve to drink or use drugs and, and again that's what i just touched on uh it, it's just crazy um the the other one i want to touch on is a success in romancing the drug so this is something that occurs, and, and I'm sure other, other addicts, this is just my personal opinion. Romancing the drug, drinker drug occurs when people begin to remember the times when substance abuse seemed to be enjoyable. There, there's a saying with, with drugs and alcohol, the first time you do it is the best you'll ever get, the best you'll ever feel, and you'll never get that high or that that drunk again. Uh, so you'll never get that feeling again, and it's supposedly a true statement scientifically. You, you're the way your receptors work; it just never happens again. And that's a lot of times that's why you're chasing a high uh, for addicts. So that being said, the romancing or or you know, you look back and go, "Oh man, I, I just I used to have so much fun when I did that. I went there. You know, I I used to think that way at some point in in my early recovery, and that that man, you know, I used to have so much fun before I got that bad." and the problem is is that bad uh the 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 fun doesn't last very long when you're a true addict the the fun doesn't last long when you've reached the point of of celebratory to literally losing everything breaking every relationship around you uh losing friends family jobs cars houses possessions um it's it's tough so that romancing the drink and drug—that's a big, big red flag. You know, if you're starting to look back and and give any kind of praise to a situation back then, it's fun to tell a story here and there, um, but you you know don't don't make it sound like it's a great thing because it's not. Um, this it's really nothing to be proud of. Um, dangers of the pink cloud of recovery—I've never really heard that that term—but some individuals become so satisfied with their successes in early recovery that they can develop a pink cloud syndrome. They Are high on life and have a great sense of freedom uh the pink cloud is a welcome experience after years of addiction uh but it can have its dark side so i yeah i can see that okay uh success and the dangers of addiction and uh, addiction substitution so that's a big one we hear about all the time people substitute their addictions uh so they give up smoking they start eating more they get fat Uh, they give up alcohol they they you know go on a fitness bender and, and end up you know in the midst of a fitness bender injuring their body or doing something that's pushing themselves a little too hard or you know so so you hear about that stuff you hear about substituting um, one thing for another one one bad for another bad or one bad for a good that's that ends up not being so good um, h- how to enjoy success in recovery um, you know that's that's a day-by-day battle uh, the reward for each individual to choose from uh, to, to choose will depend on their preference um, and it could it could include just going for a bite to eat uh, you know going for a holiday vacation you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different ways to celebrate success. My way of celebrating success is with my wife. My way of celebrating success is with my son. My way of celebrating success is to pray. I like to sit down and thank God for the things that He's put before me, and that's just me. That's just what I believe. Uh, so I like to I like to give give back to where where it all stems from. I, I did it. I didn't do it alone. You know, uh, there's a higher power in my life, God, and that and and He moved me through mountains. He moved me through he he stood by my side and walked me through things that my wife my son uh nobody could have carried me through or or been the target of of my success it had to be me and it had to be god carrying me through certain things um and then the other thing i just want to touch on you know on success there's people from all walks of life all walks of life that, that are addicts you would never know there's people you probably interact with daily that have addictions whether it be drugs alcohol food Uh, sex uh, yep there's sex addiction uh, you name it there's addicts out there Uh, one of the key key things I wanted to hit on real quick before we close out is you know you here's something you're more successful you got Samuel L Jackson dude. this guy one of the hardest working men in Hollywood he was an addict you know he admits it uh, he's he's recovering addict Robert Robert Downey jr. everybody knows uh, from addict to Avenger Uh, you've got Bradley Cooper from hungover to hangover Uh, Elton John was a Coke addict and went from Coke addict to knighthood. Anthony Hopkins advocate for AA Jada Pinkett, drug dealer to power player, Zach Efron, teen heartthrob to grown-up movie star. He's an alcoholic, Jared Butler taking back control. Linda Carter, the original wonder woman. She was, she was a heavy addict, uh, Russell Brand. I mean, the list goes on and on. Jamie Lee Curtis, Brett Favre, Alec Baldwin, Stephen King, uh, Keith Urban. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. So there's people from all walks of life. No matter what your view is, if you have a family member that affects your family so bad, it drives you crazy and you just hate them. There's so many reasons and and so many people in in different aspects of life that are addicts. We need to learn to to love people and and care and and accept. We don't ever enable. I'm never going to tell you to enable an addict. If an addict's an addict, they're an addict. You can't fix their problem. They have to fix their problem. You can love them, though. You can continue to love them. You can continue to encourage them. Don't ever give up. And uh, if, if people had given up on me, I wouldn't be where I was or where I am. So on that note, I'm, I'm out of here. Dean Tetter, Two-Party Podcast on addiction. Thank you. Two-Party Podcast, we use Anchor because it's such an easy platform to uh, get, get advertising and sponsors over a variety of different areas where you can get your podcast heard on different platforms. Uh, it's easy to upload. It's easy to add content. It's easy to delete and edit. Um, it's just a very simple platform helps you get your get off the ground kind of help you get your podcast moving forward um, and simplifies a lot of things in the business that that typically you wouldn't know and you'd have to learn so it, it does help with the learning curve so we, we really appreciate and use anchor uh, as well as, as many other platforms we've tried anchor seems to be the easiest.